Um, one of the most powerful moments of, of my growing up and thinking about faith was when um, I turned up at church and there was a homeless man. I was about 11 or 12, so I was quite scared. And um, my dad, who was the vicar, uh, sat down next to him because he was a good vicar. And he asked him um, what was going on because it was Christmas time and this guy looked very sad. And the guy in sort of fairly broken English said, how can I be happy at Christmas? Uh, I'm a refugee and I'm homeless. I have people after me in my home country. Uh, I'm alone. I'm shamed. I have been abandoned and I'm poor. There is no place for me in the Christmas story. And yet my dad, rather than going, no, that's not right, told him that is what the Christmas story is. Uh, A refugee, Jesus, fleeing his country, surrounded by enemies. Uh, Scandal and disgrace, Mary uh, threatened with divorce. Um, People uh, weeping and grieving, the bit we don't often show in our nativity, uh, the death of children. The, the, the loss and grief. We don't often talk about it, but it's there in the Christmas story because that's what God came to do. And so I want to encourage you today, if you're sat here and Christmas has been hard work and you're just wondering about which Santa you'd start to pull down first, <laughs> I want to encourage you as we talk about peace that Christmas is for you. That as that video said, that, that the reason Jesus came was not just to give a party and joy, although joyful it is, but to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the oppressed free, and he modelled that and lived that. And in our service, today, we're going to talk a little bit about what is the peace of God. How do you have it? How do you have peace? Uh, and then we're going to have some time just to enjoy some peace with some lovely music uh, and some stillness uh, as well. But I have a, a quick question for you, uh, and it's um, this uh, question here. Um, basically, I googled: uh, Has there ever been a time where the world has fully enjoyed peace? Has there been a moment where there has been no war? and no conflict, okay? Records sort of have been kept, really, from about 1816. Uh, Before then, it's a bit trickier. But since records began being kept from 1816, how many years of world peace uh, have there been? Uh, Their definition of combat is a sustained combat, including a 1,000-plus battle-related deaths, okay? A 1,000-plus, that's their kind of baseline. Less than that, they didn't count it. Mild skirmish, okay? How many years since 1816 um, have there been? Have a quick chat to your neighbour, just as we get to know. Okay. Okay, so what do we think? What do we think? Uh, Hands up. Uh, Matthew Horwood. There was almost... A whole year of peace. Okay. Interesting. Uh, John, what do you reckon? No years of peace. Okay, so we've got one, possibly, (laughs) or none. Okay. Anyone else going higher? Ten. B, just for joining in. You can get a suite if you want. Um, uh, If we go to my next slide, the the answer is actually none. Um, So uh, some of you go, I knew it. It's one of those lame church questions. He's trying to make a point. Yes, I am. Uh, between 1829 and 1846, there were no state-on-state wars. There were some civil wars, though, that still cost more than a 1,000 lives. Although, the researcher does go on to say, quite a lot of the states hadn't been formed. And so, although there wasn't a state-on-state war, there was lots of people fighting. It, it's kind of weird. If you go back further, it doesn't get much better. 
we are not good at peace, are we, in, in terms of conflict? Um, I was going to ask you a second question, which is, in your household, <laughs> since 1816, <laughs> how many years of peace have you <laughs> enjoyed where there has been no combat-related deaths? <laughs> Before or after children is the quote. Um, but listen, shh, 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 I'm meant to be doing a quieter service, but I love Christmas and I'm excited. Um, I'm going to show you a video from someone who lives in conflict. Uh, this is a Christian from North Korea. Uh, she's called Bay. Uh, this is her story, uh, which has been captured by Open Doors, uh, a charity that, that um, help uh, the persecuted church around the world. Um, the interesting bit is that she begins by saying she has peace, even though she lives in conflict. And so maybe there's a way that we can enjoy peace in the mess and in the conflict, and maybe we've got it a little bit wrong. Um, my, my one question for you, uh, Johnny, if we can have it on the screen uh, as you watch this, is how does she have peace? H- how does she have peace? She, she says that she does, and she seems to live like she does, but how does she have peace? Does that make sense? Hopefully you'll see... Um, and hopefully you'll be able to hear. And there are some subtitles. You might have to do some fairly quick reading. And if at the back you can't see and hear, do just shuffle forwards for this bit. Um, that would be great. And this is, um, yeah, from a true story in North Korea. How does she have peace? Okay. Okay. What do you reckon? What do you reckon? How does Bay have peace? Because I don't know about you, she seems more peaceful than I am. Uh, uh, or maybe you are. So, um, any thoughts? How did she have peace? What do we think? D. Okay. So, through, through, through faith in God and through the Christians, yeah? Okay. Spirit of thankfulness about her, yeah? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? Sort of, you know, I'm grateful for these things and I'm grateful uh, for these small things. Anything else? Yeah, at the back. Through the word of God, so, so scripture is really important to her and uh, sort of sharing it and reading it. Uh, there's a lovely bit where she says, man does not live by bread alone, uh, but by the every word that comes from the mouth of God. Whilst hungry, that probably has a different meaning uh, than when we read it. Uh, anyone else? Yeah, John? She could have gone to China, yeah? Yeah. So, so she, she, she knew that she was where she was meant to be and, and that God had called her there. Yeah, any thoughts? Any others? Yeah, Helen? Prayers of others, so knowing that others are praying and open doors help with that. Um, they're a good website to check out. Anyone else? Yes, yeah. Okay. So she, she, she had a faith that, that even if the worst could happen from an earthy perspective, that she was safe and secure. Um, they're, they're all good things. And I know some of you are going, yeah, I know that. But the way we live shows we don't know it. Uh, I, I want to say this today. How does she have peace? Um, John, if we put the next one up, thank you. She seeks Christ, not comfort. I think we have begun misspelling peace, comfort. I think we think if we can make life comfortable, then we will know peace. And, and the challenge with that is that the Bible is very clear that, that this world is a fallen and broken world. And if we're comfortable in this world, then we will be living in a broken and fallen place, experiencing the brokenness and the fallenness, so there won't be peace. Does that make sense? Like, like, you know, if we become too comfortable, 
we're not actually living the Jesus way. This Jesus who was a wandering teacher, who, who sometimes didn't have a pillow to lay his head, who was chased out of towns. There is a danger in, in thinking comfort will give me peace. There is a danger in finding peace in stuff and people anyway. Because those things and people may break down. And true peace comes not from externally kind of the situation we're in, but true peace comes from going, come what may, and through it all, I have someone who is for me and stronger and bigger and more mighty. The, some of you may, may know that, don't you? That thing where you've had a season of life where it feels really good, but just one small thing changes and it just feels a bit too much. Your tire's flat. Your bike doesn't run as well as it used to. The garden isn't quite the green space it used to be. These things and places we used to find peace in don't. Those things are good things. I'm not trying to say the world is not. that They're made by a God who's declared them good and said, these are good things, enjoy. But they're not to be the biggest thing. I truly believe that if we as a people seek comfort, we will never know peace. There's always a bigger telly, always a better sofa, always some better food somewhere, always someone's house makes your own feel a little bit small. There's always something, isn't there? Um, Paul says, I've learned the secret to be content in all circumstances. He was someone who was writing from a prison cell. Jesus seemed to have a peace in the middle of a storm. He literally said, quiet, be still. If you are someone this Christmas who desperately could do with some peace and you're hoping that your big Christmas dinner is going to do it, I pray and hope it gets you close because I'm not a bad person, but I promise you it won't get you fully there. What I love about Christmas dinner is when it goes well, the family gathers and it gives us a sense of community. God made us for community, right? So it's a, it's a, a signpost to something else. Uh, there's, there's good food to enjoy. There's a sense of, of fun in it, right? And once again, those are good things. God is meant for this world to have a bit of joy in it. There's a sense of purpose and we each have a seat and a role to play. They're all good things. But last year, my Christmas was nearly ruined because I overcooked the ham. True story. How grumpy was I? (laughs) Pretty grumpy. How long was I grumpy for? This year we're not having ham. (laughs) Too soon. True story. And I know that sounds really silly. But my goodness, I long for peace. And I'd staked it on that. I'd staked it on something else. And I'd forgotten that the minute I start to misspell peace, comfort, it's never going to satisfy. Are you kind of with me? And, and in our world and in the UK, it's so easy to find comfort that masks and, and just massages enough that we keep going. But I don't know about you, it just feels like less and less satisfying. And so I want to encourage you today that when we read these words from Isaiah, take them as a challenge. For to us a child is born... To us, a son is given. You cannot find peace yourself. It is a gift from God. 
You cannot create peace in your life. Self-help will not work. We live in an age of so-called experts, both online, telling us that, that psychology or, or, or this or this will do it. And if we understand ourselves better, we cannot muster it up. But a gift has been given. A child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How do we have peace? Just, just quickly some practical things as we go through this. Number one, spiritual peace. When the government is on his shoulders. If you are trying to earn your way to God by being good enough, you will never know peace. True peace begins by recognizing, God, I need your help, and you are willing to give in. Have any of you ever broken down on a motorway, and someone stopped, like, miraculously, and they changed your tire for you? Has anyone ever not had someone stop? (laughs) Yeah, it sucks, right? Has anyone ever, like, just frantically waved on a road? Can I say, and this is going to make me unpopular with half of the congregation, I think that's the one moment as a bloke it's tougher. Because if I'm there waving as a bloke going, can anyone stop? Most people won't stop. Uh, whereas I, I have seen some women. This one woman came up to me. She stopped. Do you want me to help you? I was like, yes, please. She waved down a car. <laughs> She's like, that's my gift. I don't know anything about cars, but I know about... I know about waving down help. The relief when someone steps in to, to, to make it right is, is where peace begins. Yeah? And I want to encourage you when the government is on his shoulders. His shoulders. Many of us who have come to faith try and take leadership back, ourselves back. It's like, no, I've got this God now. Thanks for saving me, but I've got it now. That's not how it's meant to be. Just daily. Resting in grace, a God who says, I love you. I've made peace between me and you. I truly believe that you will not know peace in this world until you know peace between you and God. I truly believe that. And I've tried. So trust me on it. I've looked everywhere you can find it. And between you and God, that spiritual sense, as some of you said, even if the worst should happen tomorrow, there is a God who loves me and cares for me and sustains me is the deepest peace you can know but when it's on his shoulders. So here we go, some practical things. How do we have inner peace? Here we go. Wonderful counsellor, internal peace. It might surprise you to know that I'm a really rubbish person when I talk to psychotherapists or counsellors. It might surprise you to know. Why do you think that is? I don't listen. You're absolutely right. (laughs) And Pam, thank you. I didn't prompt you. I knew there would be one. I don't. Some of you will know that when I talk to you, I'm so excited to be in a conversation that I jump in before you finish. If you've ever experienced that, raise your hand. <laughs> now, I want to make it clear, I'm not interrupting because I'm rude. I'm just excited to be in a conversation and I'm creative. But, but here's the challenge, right? If you want to know inner peace, internal peace, and he's called Wonderful Counselor. Imagine if a counselor you didn't listen to. Imagine rocking up every week and they start asking you a question. You're like, sorry, what was that? What did we talk about last week? I don't know. I wasn't listening. Like for some of you who have come to faith or some of you who are seeking faith, listen. Read God's word. Listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. Not the crowd. Listen to Christ. You will not find peace pleasing the crowd. If social media has taught us anything, it's that. I saw this guy do a triple backflip on a motorbike, on snow, on YouTube. 
And the lead comment under the video was, you could have gone faster. <laughs> Triple backflip on snow on a bike. You cannot please the crowd. And some of you are trying too hard to do it. Listen to the one who says, I love you. And I came for you. And you're enough. Wonderful counsellor. Internal peace when we listen to Christ, not the crowd. Let's keep going. How do we know external peace? When we see Christ in the chaos, as Bay did, rather than thinking the chaos means that God's not there. The Bible's very clear that this point of history looks exactly like this. I'll say it one more time. The Bible is very clear that this point in history looks exactly like this. Nation against nation, brother and sister against brother and sister, division, brokenness, famine, all kinds of awful. I find it so interesting when many Christians go, but where is God? Well, God wrote the story. He's coming and he's here, but this is how the world looks. And if anything, although it hurts and it breaks my heart, it gives me confidence that God knows what he's talking about. And he also gives us a mission now. We're not just here waiting for things to get better. God says, work for the kingdom now. Pray. Jesus said to his disciples, you're going to go and do even more mighty things than you've seen me do. That boggles my mind. He did some pretty good stuff. If you want to find out more, join our course in January. But when we see Christ in the chaos, when we seek to go and be his hands and feet in the chaos, that's when we know peace. When we know that death has been defeated. That when he says it's finished, he means it. That, that eternity has been sorted out and that one day we will see face to face. See Christ in the chaos. That's where he was. Does that make sense? I hope so. Last one. Everlasting Father, eternal peace. Going back to what, what Bay, I think, challenges us today. When we love Christ more than comfort, I think we'll know peace. When we love Christ more than comfort, um, we begin to put ourselves to death in the way that Jesus did so that others might have life. And there's nothing more powerful and peace-giving than that. And we've got some brave men and women here who've been going through addiction groups. And seeing their testimonies of walking with people to peace is a joy. It's a joy. When, they, when you suddenly, for the first day, they know peace. Even for a second. And I want to encourage us. This is an everlasting thing. Why do we live for 70 years when we have eternity before us? It just seems so wrong that they're balanced. And so I want to encourage us, just as we're looking for this, don't spell peace comfort. Spell peace Christ. Seek him. Seek him. Know him. Love him. Listen to him. Let him lead. Trust him. Hold him. Cling to him. Cry with him. Mourn with him. Yell at him. Get angry at him. Listen to his caring words. You're in good company. But if he is the Prince of Peace, that is where peace is found. Does that make sense? I want to encourage you with that this Christmas. That, that, that Jesus came and, and the words he spoke again and again, angels said, was peace on earth to all men on whom God's favour rests. At a little place called Bethlehem that had been forgotten and that had known conflict, peace came. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is not an experience. Peace is a person who wants to be known. And I encourage you to get to know him uh, this Christmas.